Kills Live, the podcast that's been screaming about abortion rights before it was cool. I'm Liz Winstead, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Moji Alamodayel and Marie Khan. Moj? Hey there. It's AAPI Heritage Month throughout May. FBK will be showcasing activists and comedians from that community. That's right. And coming up on today's show, one of the biggest events in our lives is occurring. Roe is poised for death. We know you have questions. We sure do. A lot of sadness, a lot of rage. So we got Jessica Mason Piccolo and Imani Gandhi from the Boom Lawyered Pod, the best legal minds in the biz, to talk about this leaked opinion and what we can expect to happen in June and beyond. Plus, when we talk about all the harm that abortion bans cause, we often forget about what young people go through when trying to access care. Joining us from Jane's Due Process, an organization that specializes in helping people under 18 navigate the obstacles they face while trying to access abortion, is Executive Director Roseanne Maria Purim. The hilarious comedian Jess Tom joins to bring some levity to this mess, or just to bring the hilarious darkness that is Jess Tom. (laughs) But first... There is no hilarity in Mudville. There is no joy in Mudville. It feels like ever since the Supreme Court's leaked thing, uh, it has just been a shitstorm domino effect of states rushing to outdick each other to be the worst. And Louisiana, just Wednesday, decided they wanted to throw their head in the ring. Oh my gosh, Wednesday, right? We like heard about this thing on Monday night. It interrupted the Met costume gala red carpet. (sighs) (laughs) Then Tuesday we protested. And then Wednesday morning or Wednesday, Louisiana was like, you know what we're going to do? We are going to ban abortion from the, wait for it, moment of fertilization. And they created this law that allows pregnant people to be charged with murder, potentially jailed bunch of other crap. And they did this for funsies because it's still unconstitutional. It's an abolition law. Also, like they they're going for it all. That's their plan. Misappropriation of words aside. I know the the law itself is called the abolition of abortion in Louisiana Act of 2022. And abolition means something. Yeah, abolition means something, but the the anti-abortion movement has really co-opted this phrase abolition. They call themselves abolitionists and they're just horror shows. But I just want to I just want to point out uh, that a Louisiana is full. Don't just think Democrats are your saviors. okay? like Mm -hmm. first of all, their governor, John Bell Edwards, is an anti-abortion Democrat. They have a shit ton of anti-abortion Democrats in state government. And the state's Republican attorney general, Jeff Landry, said that, like, fuck you, women of Louisiana. He he didn't say that. He actually did say, pack your bags and move to California if you're seeking an abortion. That is how much they care about people. So basically they're anti-abolitionists, huh? Pregnant people really do have to find their own Harriet Tubman 
to get them out of Louisiana? What the fuck? I know. And also, I just want to be clear. Pregnancy doesn't start at fertilization. So I just want to lay out just for a second that fertilization is when the sperm and the egg meet. And there's actually a process for that fertilized egg to travel into the uterus, implant itself, and then a pregnancy hormone is actually created and released at that point. And it is that point that a pregnancy occurs. So when you say you're going to ban abortion at fertilization, you're actually saying I'm banning abortion before people are pregnant. Also, we don't have the technology to figure out whenever fertilization happens in individual people. So at mm-hmm. what point do we start jailing people? Immediately when they have their periods, uh, when they, when they have into a sock. I don't yeah. know. Your leg when it's on the inner thigh, like, does that count? What's, what's happening? I think that, yeah. So basically what all of these legislatures are doing is just throwing sperm against the wall to see what sticks. (laughs) (laughs) That is the sad news of where we are at. And so with that, I think the biggest uh, load thrown against the wall was by the Supreme Court, which is our biggest story of the week, of the year, maybe of our lives, Moj. Yeah, this was definitely the black light uh, story that was not supposed to see the light of day, but we all saw it on on Monday. And as promised, we're going to get to the legal minds who will bring us some clarity about this situation. Please welcome from the Boom Lawyered Pod, Jessica Mason Piccolo and Imani Gandhi. What's happening? What's happening, Boom Lord people? What is happening? Yeah, what is happening? The decision was leaked. It indicates a full gutting of Roe v. Wade. Yeah. People are confused and terrified. What is happening? Well, um, we should take the court at face value that this is what is happening, that the leak is real. Robert said it's authentic and that this is uh, it's happening. And somehow we got a preview. And I don't know. Um, we were all kind of braced for this in the hypothetical, but even with knowing that this is likely what was going to happen. It was a gut punch to see the words on the paper because it's not just that it's a full gutting of Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which it absolutely is. It's a really mean and nasty one. It's so mean. Like it was really just unnecessarily bitchy. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it's like Sam Alito's like, I'm going to be a dickhead and I'm going to write this opinion. And not even because, you know, abortion is something that millions of women and other pregnant people have relied upon. Like one of the things that you're supposed to take into account when you're overruling precedent like this is a reliance factor, right? How many people have relied on it? I'd say a fuckload of people have relied on the legal right to abortion. And so for him to just dismiss it out of hand that way and for him to dismiss the as Jess always likes to point out, the Republican, the, the predominantly Republican court that issued the ruling in Roe, it's like, I don't know. I don't under, what, what is the point of being that rude about it? You could have just been like, you know, there's no right to abortion in the Constitution. The word abortion doesn't appear in the Constitution and blah, blah, blah. No, he ended up citing some guy who like executed two witches and who was writing in defense of marital rape, this guy, Matthew Hale from the 1600s. Like, why are we taking our cues from what some dickhead in the 1600s had to say about women? 
But I think that that's the point. He's taking Mm -hmm. dickhead, taking dickhead advice from the assholes back in the fucking 1800s when it's like, why wasn't abortion included in the Constitution? I don't know. Maybe because everybody who wasn't those guys was their property. Who's going to give us rights to our shit? Not those assholes that were slave owning people who wrote some words down that gave some people rights. I mean, it's like, what are you talking about? It's absurd. (sighs) Feels crazy to me. What recourse do we have in situations when we like, like how how you said, you know, we need to take this at face value. We need to assume this is what is going to be put into place. What, what can regular people like us do? Well, I think one of the great things about it being leaked is that it got people really galvanized, really angry and really sort of like, oh, shit, I got to get my my affairs in order. Right. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if you're the kind of person and I, I did an, a panel on if Roe were to go at South by Southwest in 2018. And at the panel, we talked about the Jane Collective and we talked about law breaking. And I asked at the beginning of the panel, you know, everyone close your eyes because I didn't want everyone to feel like they had to look at each other saying, yeah, I'm going to break the law. But like, raise your hand if you'd be willing to break the law to help a friend or even a stranger access abortion care those that was four years ago that i asked that question of a group of people now it's the time to for literally everyone who is considers themselves an advocate to ask themselves what they're willing to do and it's fine if you're not willing to break the law but like it's good to have a plan it's kind of like back in the old days it's like activating a phone tree right now like everyone's mm-hmm. activating a phone tree figuring out who's in their networks like i've got space in my my house for people who need to come to colorado like figure out where you can mm-hmm. plug in and be as useful as you can I feel like we we got this, you know, this came Monday night, right? And you're, we're all minding our own business. It's late. The day is OJ done. OJ is still raging about it breaking oh. into the Met Ball. And the, I was like, watching the Met Ball raging. red carpet. I'm like, I was like, I just saw Gigi Hadid's leg. And then all of a sudden this news comes. <laughs> <laughs> and like Mitch McConnell is like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this leaked. How dare it leak? And it's like, yeah, but what about the substance of the leak? Like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> like, well, I want to focus on the substance of the leak, but like, what are you supposed to do about these politicians that think the problem is that we know about it, not that it's happening? <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, exactly. And and frankly, I think the leak also creates an opportunity for us to talk about just how fundamentally untransparent the Supreme Court is across the board in all of its stuff. Like, right. shouldn't we be able to see some of these drafts and the public, right? I mean, truly, mm-hmm. they're they're just bantering about the idea of ripping away a fundamental right after damn near 50 years. And we get no visibility into that. No, I think that this leak has created an opportunity to really demand more visibility. And any of those politicians, that's a tell. Any of the politicians who are worried more about the leak than the substance of it is all like anybody who's speculating if this was done by conservatives or progressives. The fact that that's what conservatives are focused on is the tell everybody this is from the right this is where that came from i also want to say reason for it to come from any i was just going to say that there's no reason for it to have come from the liberals what what would they have had to gain right coming from the conservatives what they have to gain is making sure that brett kavanaugh maybe doesn't decide to go off and think that oh this opinion is a bit too radical can we tone it down you dump this hard opinion and then you say are you with me or are you not and if you're not with me i'm gonna i'm gonna fucking sick all these maga trolls on you you know what i mean it's like yep. i don't know a hundred percent and also for them to see 
where it ended up. You know, the fact that this was written in February, it is now Mm -hmm. May. It has been through several iterations. What those iterations are, we don't know. I think also, if you find out who flushed during COVID, during that 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 is the leak. The the flusher is the leaker. I just think that someone who is that ill-equipped to deal with shit uh, is water-based things. One hundred percent flushing. It's all good. Yeah. Well, and it and also you know it just feels to me like I don't think that we can reiterate enough um, what y'all were talking about earlier, which is the cruelty because the opinion didn't even read. Like, I mean, not that they're mutually exclusive at this point, but it didn't read like it came from a jurist who was on the highest court of the land. It read Mm -hmm. like it was from Operation Save America or from Abolish Human Abortion. And it used the term abortionist, Mm -hmm. which which people need to know when you hear the term abortionist, that term came from the army of God to really separate out someone who a doctor who provides abortions from people who provide abortions to give them permission to do harm to doctors who provide abortions. Using that term abortionist is, is definitely a code. And also the way that um, Alito put the word liberty in quotes, every time he used the word liberty in this opinion, when it was in, 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 in referring to the 14th amendment, mm-hmm. um, just to m- mock mock what it means to have liberties in an amendment just because they weren't in the original document. And I would love for y'all to talk about um, this whole 14th Amendment situation and how it's referred to and why it's referred to and how it's argued to keep our protections. I think a lot of folks don't know like what that means. And I'd love for you guys to break that down for us. Yeah, I mean, the 14th Amendment is a, a, it's a, it's kind of the be all and end all along with the ninth when it comes to sexual privacy rights and privacy rights broadly. And the thing to know about conservatives is they don't really believe in privacy rights like they just really, truly don't. They may you know, I mean, we can joke that they believe in them for themselves, but they, they you know, like that's kind of true. They just get them because they control everything. It's not like they really you know what I mean? Like that's that's sort of the default. And, you know, I think one of the things that that the 14th Amendment really gets right in the cases that have interpreted that is understanding that we exist as citizens in this, you know, world and interact with the government and each other in ways that, you know, really a lot of it should just not be policed, right? Whether that's the details of how you're educating your child within your home or whether that's who you're sleeping with and what you like to do, right? All of that falls in line with that. Sam Alito doesn't believe in any of it, right? He doesn't believe in any of it. He wants to know what kind of sex you're having, who you're having it with. If it's the wrong kind of sex, if it's sex, he thinks it's weird. You're going to go to jail, right? If it's if it's sex, that's not going to produce a baby for the state or your husband. You're going to go to jail like if it's all of those kinds of things. And it's really that stark. And what, you know, the key bit of the 14th Amendment, you know, as Jess said, all of our privacy rights, a lot of our human rights come stem and flow from the 14th Amendment. And what anti-choicers want to do is to give those rights to fertilized eggs. Yeah. So then, (laughs) you know, you can't a pregnant person can't have the same a number quality panoply of rights as a fertilized egg that is inside them. It's one of Louisiana. 
right? Somebody, somebody's <laughs> losing out and we know who's losing out. Yeah. It's, it's the pregnant person. Why? Because the preg look lady, you got pregnant. You made your mistake. You should have kept your legs closed. We don't know. Maybe the person inside you could cure cancer. So we're going to go ahead and you're just going to have to rent out your body for nine or 10 months, suck it on up and think about your choices. I mean, that's sort of the vibe. You know, Amani Amani talks about this really brilliantly as, you know, being forced to gestate the state's interest because that's exactly it. And when we're talking about the 14th Amendment, you know, conservatives love to talk about originalism all the time. These are the reconstruction amendments, right? The 13th, 14th, and 15th are the amendments that come out of the post-Civil War era. And that that's really the first stab that we took constitutionally at taking, at balancing out some of the structure of power in this country. No wonder Sam Alito hates it. And Mm -hmm. no wonder conservatives are really upset about it. I mean, it's like that, that link between, you know, privacy and expanded understanding of the rest of us as people under the law and white supremacy is right there in the history books. Like there it is. <laughs> they would Which skip, is why we they can't teach all, it. Right. They would skip oh, those I mean, amendments exactly. if they could, honestly. They would. They, they would absolutely skip them. They'd stop at 10 and they just like X out nine because they don't like nine either. Yeah. You know, not, the Ninth Amendment is the amendment that says that all the rights that are not enumerated in the Constitution are retained by the people. That makes sense. You can't expect anyone to be able to list, you know, Uh, make an exhaustive list of all the rights that are protected by a document that's supposed to create this republic, right? You list out some ones you think are pretty important, and then you say you get to keep the rest. Conservatives, every time Sam Alito's like, abortion? Where's the word abortion? I remember in the, in the, um, the, the oral arguments, Clarence Thomas was like, I don't even know what the word abortion means. Can you, can you spell it? Can you explain it? Where does it come from? And it's like, they love to harp on the fact that there are certain things that are not specifically written down in the constitution. It doesn't freaking matter because whatever rights that are not enumerated are retained by the people, by us. And unfortunately for these conservatives, women are people now and black people are people now and indigenous mm-hmm. people are people now. And that's really what they have a problem with. Oh, Amani. And we are asking, not asking, demanding to be recognized as such. And they're like, well, how dare you? You can't. I know I mean, you're not a corporation. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, if, I if I incorporated my uterus, they'd stay the fuck out of it. Like, I that's don't. right. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just such a mess. And, and it just feels like too, like just indulging all the garbage, the Amy Coney Barrett garbage about we've evolved now. You can just drop your baby off at a firehouse and put it in a calendar or whatever the fuck she said. <clears throat> you know, like it's all nuts. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, she talks about like, you know, there's so much equality now. Like I could understand maybe in the 1970s, you know, women were really just getting up on their feet. You go gals. But now it's 2022 and there's so much equality. You got women in business and women are leaning in and they're going to law school and they're talking and they're voting and good God. So maybe it's time that we just sit with this whole abortion thing and realize that it's about time. You started going back to your womanly duties, right? Your traditional wifely duties and if you still insist on you know breaking that grass ceiling that grass ceiling i, I want to break the grass ceiling <laughs> <laughs> breaking that glass ceiling yes. then there's probably something wrong with you and we should take a closer look at your life and mm-hmm. not even we're not going to even take that look we're going to have your neighbors take that look right we're going to pay your neighbors ten thousand dollars to make sure that whatever's going on in your home is up to snuff i mean what the 
hell are we doing here? It feels really crazy. It's like, we let you invent Spanx and make a billion dollars. Isn't that enough? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, honestly, I mean, that's just the way it works. If you're a woman and you make a jillion dollars inventing things that men don't give a shit about, like, oh, I'm I'm, I'm not in the Spanx lane. Great. But all of a sudden you decide that you also want to open up a, you know, work for Goldman Sachs or do whatever the fuck you want to do that has to do with capitalism. They're like, get out, bitch. I can forget (laughs) about any other thing. But it's like, nope, you're a hazard. You're all hazards. So as we sit and move forward and y'all are not just incredible lawyers, um, one of the reasons that it's crucial for me to have your voices in the world and, and have them on as much as possible. And I was so excited that you were both thrust finally into the mainstream media to talk about this, because I don't know about you, but it's exhaustive to go on these shows now with hosts who just discovered abortion for the first time. Yesterday. And they're, and they're bringing all their like tragedy porn and they're bringing all their, this is an outrage because a 12 year old who got raped, isn't going to be able to have an abortion. And it's like, everyone's abortion matters, bitches. So I just want to make sure, <clears throat> or talk to you y'all about if you were hosting, uh, you are obviously everyone go subscribe <laughs> to Boom Lawyer podcast, but at this moment, what is it that you're leading with in your conversations and where you're at for folks? Like what's the, what's your headline and what's your detail? One of the things that I am focusing on is first of all, like it's, it's some of this is going to sound corny and I'm just going to own it. Like I'm getting earnest in the moment and damn it, it probably calls for it. But Look, the reality is, is there is only we have to go through this. That's the only way out is through right now. And that's going to suck. It's going to be hard. And we just can't, we can't sugarcoat that. We have to be very clear eyed about that. But I really do believe that we can build something better than what we had. Like, it's okay to say that Roe was the floor. It really didn't do what it needed to do at all. And that if we're going to go through this bullshit anyway, we might as well make something really good and actually accessible as a result of it, because that's important. I'm also, you know, just asking folks to check in care for their people and especially uh, providers right now. Um, You know, uh, Amani and I had the opportunity to uh, talk to Dr. Hearn recently uh, last night. And, you know, we got to we got to give folks who are doing the care work um, our support and love right now. 100 percent. I mean, I don't have anything to add to that. I well, I do. One thing I would (laughs) add to that is that I really think that it's time that we start focusing on the people who have the answers to these problems, the people who had the answers a decade ago and who were ignored by mainstream reproductive rights organizations because the people who had the answers were black women in the South, black socialists, you know, low income Mm -hmm. black women, Mm -hmm. black women with many children. And they're not the those are not the right faces for this movement. Right. You want to put a nice white face on the face of abortion because you want to make it seem as palatable as possible. That shit's got to stop. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the, the the bottom line is is that those night those nice white faces didn't have the answers, right? No. That's why we're here. Not, I mean, I don't I don't want to disrespect the the struggle and the gains that were made, but we got outplayed. We were outflanked, right? Mm-hmm. And in the since the like the mid nineties, with the with the 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 creation of reproductive justice, with the 
the sort of networks that have been formed as a result with the with the the age of the internet and social media there are ways that we can connect to one to one another and connect to people who aren't normally pushed out in front to talk about these things they're the ones that have the answers for real like black women in texas black women in mississippi black women in alabama they have the answers and we just have to listen to them and that's why you know i routinely laurie bertram roberts every time i can say her name on msnbc i do because people need to listen to her (laughs) because she's she's literally had the answer since like 10 years ago when it was going down in mississippi and there was a voting rights bill that was also going down and mainstream groups couldn't make that connection like how are black folks in jackson supposed to 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 vote for people who are going to protect their reproductive rights if they can't vote right (laughs) right like that seems like it makes sense so i'm really heartened by this the younger folks the folks who are on the ground people are fired up and I don't know. I, 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 I am with Jess in thinking that we can do better. We can do better than Roe. I think I it's think really important too. to also, to. I think it was really important to say, like, we have to go through this. I feel like this since, since whatever, Monday, people are like, well, what are we going to do now? And I'm like, now it's too late. We're planning yeah. for the future. Yeah. Right? Like now yeah. it's not like there's nothing we can do between now and whatever draft this decision ends up like what the court ends up presenting to us as like the final draft. Like we are now dealing with like, we're going to accept that something like this is about to happen now. How are we planning for after that? And yeah, it's going to, Rose going to fall. Then what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have to say, you know, it's like, I, God bless Elizabeth Warren. I love her. I love the anger. But when she kept saying, we're not going back, I wanted to be like, yeah, no, we actually are. We're back. <laughs> you know, like, I think Hillary like Clinton may have said something back. similar. Yeah. It's like, no, we are actually, and that's, and that's not okay. But as Jess says, we got to go through it to get out of it. And being like, we won't go back is a, fucking great rallying cry but it's absolutely not true <laughs> texas has been back since september <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it's not even I mean, like it's this isn't even the test run like eight months in texas eight months, and eight months it's like where have all the uprisings been in that time mm-hmm. yeah, right like i'm concerned that this is this was a soft launch of a row reversal because they're launching it now we're all fired up for the past four days but it's already dying down you can feel it dying down already right by in four weeks are we gonna have the same energy you and we will you yeah. And I, everyone on this podcast will, but you know, those sleepy eyed bros who just woke up and decided, Oh my God, man, abortion. What's that, bro? Like, wow, people are losing their rights. Oh my God. You know, it's like those people will have moved on. Yep. Well, and I think that, I think what's going to happen is there'll be this move on and then all of a sudden the triggers are going to happen and then people will be up again. I mean, one thing that we feel really excited about is we've been planning for eight months now um, to do this training, this virtual mm-hmm. training, we'd have people have house parties and then inviting everybody who is working in the movement in grassroots so that you, if people say, what am I supposed to do? We're going to tell you, we're going to tell you, we're going yeah, yeah. to introduce you to abortion funds. We're going to introduce you to doulaing. We're going to introduce you to how you do clinic support, how you do all of it, right? All of the things that are available. So you don't have to reinvent something with well-meaning white people. But then also to be able to vet all these new people who are going to be charged and to be able then to hook them up with local spots, um, because that's all we know how to do. All we know how to do at Abortion Access Front is give platforms to people who are smarter, doing the work and and doing that. And I think that if you're not going to jump, doing nothing is not an option. And if you're not going to jump in and learn about how this movement works for once in your fucking life, because it's been working, you just haven't been paying attention. 
that's the problem. People are like desperate and crying while Planned Parenthood sits on a $500 million war chest and then just gets 250 more from Mackenzie Scott. You know, it's like, great, give Planned Parenthood money. They do great services. But for truth be told, in this time and day and age where we live, people are going to be needing abortions later. Independent clinics provide those later abortions. Abortion pills are great to a point after Mm -hmm. 11, five pregnancy, 11 weeks, five, five days, where are you, where are you going to get your abortions? Like thinking about those things. Yeah. Like we just have to talk to people about it the way, and I'm glad y'all are finally out there talking about it with people. Yay. Yeah. What a mess we're in. Honestly, <laughs> it is a mess. <laughs> Sometimes it just hits me. I'm like, what the fuck even just happened this week? It's just, I don't know. And like but, literally Louisiana was just like, all right, let's yeah, do it. Oh right. my like, gosh. Literally, oh, it murderers. <laughs> we just talked about it. It's like, oh my God, they're literally banning abortion before you're pregnant. Fertilization is <laughs> not a thing. It's not a thing. It's when is that? When is that again? Is that Tuesday? Is it Thursday? Unclear. And then you have, you know, journalists like Megan McArdle at the Washington Post, for example, on Twitter being like, everyone's exaggerating. It's like, We are still in this moment that was born of a moment because everyone kept saying we were exaggerating. And now you're already saying we're exaggerating about the next things that we know are happening. Like, we just predicted this. Maybe stop a second and be like, oh, we should listen to the people who predicted this. But the sky is falling and you're telling me it's rain? Well, I mean, sure, a couple of red states might outlaw IUDs and IVF. But where's the constituency (sighs) for that? They're banning voting. Like they're they're making it impossible for people to vote. There's no constituency for any of this. The well, constituency doesn't want Roe reversed. They don't need what constituents. They have power. Like right. that was the point. <laughs> that was the point. And exactly. people forget when they argued Hobby Lobby, if there had not been women on the court, the, the, the opening arguments of Hobby Lobby, 58 inaccuracies about IUDs and, and birth control had to be corrected by the women sitting on the court. If there not been women, that shit they laid out about abortifacients and all this other fucking bullshit would have just sat there as a truth. Mm-hmm. So don't say they're not coming for birth control. They come for birth control. Here they are. Right, right. Here and, they and, are. And further to your point about, you know, bullshit junk science, it's like now I have to read about fetal heartbeats in a Supreme yes. Court opinion draft. Oh, God. <laughs> Six-week embryos don't have goddamn heartbeats. Like, that's just not a thing that happens. But, you know, it works for Sam Alito. I got to listen to – I got to read him giving a – a tip of the hat to Clarence Thomas's eugenics nonsense. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, birth control is birth control and family planning is eugenics. He literally said that in that case, box versus Planned Parenthood in Indiana, mm-hmm. pee pink. I couldn't even get the words out. Planned Parenthood <laughs> in Indiana, Kentucky, pee pink. <laughs> but it's just, yeah. oh, it's so frustrating. And then just people being like, ah, well, really, they're not going to come for Obergefell. She actually said, they're not going to come for interracial marriage because is Clarence Thomas going to rule that his own marriage is unconstitutional? Yes. He yes. Yes. <laughs> also, also, I'm like, wait, what? He we, all prove know, point. we all know <laughs> that Republicans rally against abortion and then their mistresses get abortion. So, right. yeah, mm-hmm. that is right on target. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Also, like, I would go to any lengths to get Jeannie Thomas out of my life, including <laughs> decla- declaring my nuptials unconstitutional. It's like, if that's what I got to do to get that bitch out of my life, <laughs> I will. 
I will do it. Uh, Y'all, you are so great. If you don't listen to the Boom Lawyered podcast, what are you doing? Subscribe where all the podcasts are. They just had their millionth download. So I don't know what you're doing, but like that is some shit that I read that I was like, I could not be happier for these two brilliant minds who are the literal best. Uh, Please come back and join us always and often. Yes. And thank you for being an incredible, like, at least ray of sunshine in the storm. We cannot thank you enough. Oh, same. Thanks for everything y'all are doing right now. It is tremendous. Ah, Thank you all for coming so much and bringing such clarity. Uh, Moji, (laughs) we have to get back into the other parts of the country to see which BS is popping elsewhere. I have a BS update. Oh, boy. (laughs) You have IBS? Last week, we talked about an Oklahoma abortion ban, which was a backup ban to another Oklahoma abortion ban, which took the Texas six week ban, doubled the bounty to $20,000 and also started immediately. Clinics asked the court to stop this bill from going into effect. But while we were reeling from the SCOTUS leak felt in all of our uteruses, the Oklahoma Supreme Court denied that motion and abortion after six weeks in not okay, Oklahoma has stopped, even though Roe has not been formally eviscerated yet. This is doubly bad news because a lot of people escaping Texas's terrible law were escaping to Oklahoma. But now that that's off the table, people will have to travel as far as Kansas or New Mexico or even further for, you know, basic constitutionally protected health care. So, um, yeah, shit sucks. Yeah, shit sucks. And I think that people need to understand that the when you said it's the law that was like on top of another law, that other law that's set to go into effect in August is a law that literally outright bans abortion. They just said we're banning abortion in all cases and has a penalty of 10 years and a hundred thousand dollar fine. And so who knows if that law uh, will be able to go into effect, won't be able to go into effect based on what the fuck is going to happen with Roe v. Wade in June, but it's really terrifying. Yep. And not only, I mean, we're talking about Oklahoma on the state level. One of their senators is leading the charge on a federal ban as well. So they they want they want to spread this cruelty around. In fact, the party of small government, they are so hell bent on advancing their attack on uteruses. We are laying down a foundation for a federal abortion ban. Senators from Iowa. Yep. Iowa and Oklahoma are crafting a six week ban while the Susan B. Anthony list which is basically a huge lobbying and funding organization of women who hate women, are dredging the red state septic systems for Republican presidential options. Susan B. Anthony List wants a national ban to be centered to the GOP's presidential platform in 2024. So again, let us remind you all that are listening, six weeks is incredibly early for someone to even know they are pregnant, let alone then be able to access everything they need to have a safe abortion. The wait for abortion care also in some states is already exceeding six weeks in care to begin with as more people clamor for appointments. So bans like this end up forcing people to make an abortion decision early, way before they could get prenatal care, tests, and other types of of resources. I do not like this version of the multiverse, guys. I need to get off this ride. I know we all need a barf bag, Marie. We all need a barf bag. But you know, I think the thing that is a while is that 
this federal abortion ban story was going to be our big story this week. You know, like (laughs) we were so mad that like these states were doing all this stuff and that just because all these courts were just like holding up these horrible unconstitutional state bans that we're like, oh my God, they federally want to do this. This is terrible. And then slide into our DMs or not our DMs blasting it out, I guess, in the, in the shitosphere, uh, the, the leak, and here we mm-hmm. find ourselves with this. And I, I'm curious to see if the backlash of what's happening now and them seeing the rage and the people taking to the streets is going to have them pull back and say, we could lose our seats if we push this too far. What do you guys think? Do you think that Americans are going to stand up for abortion so hard that it scares these people? I'm really unsure. I do feel like I've been talking to the people in my life for at least the last couple of years, like it's about to get real, real. And now it's here mm-hmm. and people are like, wow, I didn't think this would, <laughs> I didn't think this would happen. <laughs> I, think in certain, I feel like in certain contexts, people are more empowered, but like, honestly, we were, just, I was just talking to one of our other coworkers who went down to Florida, you know, entirely different spaces and environments. And like, what we see on the streets in New York and, and the folks that are taking to the streets and able to in other spaces, I just like, like no one did that in Texas. No one's done that in Texas, you know, on that level that it's impacted and created change. And, and now these politicians are taking this opportunity and saying, Hey, this worked in Texas. We're going to replicate this federally. We're going to go after this six. We're going to have a six week ban. I guess I just don't know if people are going to, going to actually wake up. I guess, yeah, when you look at the fact that uh, abortion has essentially been outlawed in Texas for eight months and people are upset about it and people are mad about it. But like, just to reiterate what you said, Marie, there hasn't been enough of people really being like, this is unacceptable. This is Mm -hmm. unconstitutional. How the fuck did this even happen? And now people care. Um, And, you know, I think some of it is people are paralyzed and they're not quite sure what to do. And I think as we always say, abortion is so stigmatized and anti-choice activists have been able to set the conversation about abortion yes. and set uh-huh. it in shame. <laughs> yep. That's exactly what Susan B. Anthony list is doing right now. They're courting legislators, Republicans to get them on board with this. Hey, we want the GOP platform to be this. They're claiming that after seeing the success of SB 8's ban in Texas and quote unquote, how comfortable people are with it, that they want this to become consensus legislation, quote unquote. So model legislation at a federal level to target our bodies. And and also to target people helping people have abortions to actually, like when they say comfortable with deputizing citizens to Mm -hmm. hunt down other citizens with a bounty and to make them feel harm and scared. And they think that that's got consensus. Like, again, I get then it's like, I feel just like a rash of stabby, stabby, stabby Mm -hmm. at people who are like, well, we have to hear them out and we have to find both sides and la 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 la. la." It's like, I cannot and shall not and will not indulge anyone who thinks there's consensus or thinks it's fine to put a bounty on people. If you think that, You shouldn't be elected to anything except elected to be put in a place where people get help for their sadism. Yeah. Yeah. The devil doesn't need an advocate, folks. mm -mm. For their non-consensual sadism. Yeah. Especially when like 70% of people 
agree that Roe v. Wade should be the law of the land or that people have the right to have abortion, you know, mm-hmm. and to have this minority of people talking about it, it's, it makes me feel just incredibly rageful. And when you look at people uh, from states like, like the states that you were saying, Marie, there's a senator from Oklahoma and a senator from Iowa who are leading the charge. Those states, the population of those states together don't even make up the population of Manhattan. Right. One city, one borough in one city in America. And so there is just a lot of people who wield a lot of power Mm -hmm. uh, who govern over very few people. But as we talked about with Amani and, and Jess, when you look at whether or not we can codify Roe, right? Uh, who, where that hangs in the balance? It hangs in the balance with a senator from Alaska, a mm-hmm. senator from Maine, to see if they will actually lift the filibuster to get that vote. And those, the population of those two states together is 2 million people. That's it. They're bigger apartment complexes in New York. Yep. A hundred percent. There's nearly, there's about 800,000 people that live in the entire state, just under of Alaska and about 1.2 million people who live in the state of Maine. And so I just don't, people should be outraged that those kind of people, and you add Joe Manchin into it. And I think there's like, I That's don't know. not. Let's never but, add Joe Manchin. Ne, we it. don't need to add Joe Manchin. <laughs> but also how callous would like you can literally just be like, oh, yeah, our idea of a plan is to. <laughs> it's so funny because the inconsistency of their messaging right in the previous story, when it was like, well, they say if you don't like this, go to California. It's like, but well, we want to nationalize it. So also California. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's you like know. the oh, yeah, people should have um, babies because then they can get TANF. But also we're going to like take away TANF money to. uh fund these anti-abortion places. Like how, how your logic doesn't even work. No, it's true. And, 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 you know, it's, it's just, you can't say it enough, but like abortions won't stop. People will have uh, continued pregnancies and have children they can't afford to have. There will be no resources for families. We're going to be creating an incredible, unsafe, unhealthy, environmentally shitty environment for people to grow up in. And it just really, I don't, the short-sightedness and the cruelty seems to be the point. Yeah. 100%. 1000%. Yeah. It's the point. It is the point. Um, and I think with that, it's, um, I, I think that we have to climb out of the hole. And I think that climbing out of the hole means um, moving on to our guest. Do we feel like that's yeah, climbing out of time. the hole? It's a okay. help. It's a step. It's a step. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure that it's climbing out of the hole. Our guest is an incredible human being doing incredible work. But I think as we, as we assess the landscape of where we're at with abortion, and we talk about all these different things. Some of them are very new to a lot of you. Um, one of the things that we often leave out of the conversation is when you are seeking abortion care, if you are under 18 and what that looks like. 
Yes, Liz, nothing could be truer. We are going to talk about this with the executive director of Jane's Due Process, an organization which assists young people in Texas navigate parental consent laws and confidentially access abortion and birth control. They provide free legal support, one-on-one case management, and stigma-free information on sexual and reproductive health through their text line. Joining us today is Roseanne Mariapuram. Welcome, Roseanne. Before we get into your work, how are you handling the news this week in general? Um, I think, you know, oscillating between rage and determination, like a lot of folks, but also very grateful to get to work in abortion access. Mm, I'm glad. I'm so glad we're all in community together. Let's talk about your work at Jane's Due Process. Your org assists young people under age 18 in Texas navigate getting an abortion because they require a person who does not have a parental consent to get their procedure to get a judicial bypass. Wait a minute. Did you say judicial bypass? Hold up. Marie just used a phrase on our vocabulary list. Roseanne, could you give the definition of judicial bypass for our listeners so they know what we're talking about? Sure. So a judicial bypass is an order from a court, i.e. a judge, saying that anyone under 18 can consent to their own abortion care. Why would one need that? Uh, Because we don't trust young people. Um. (laughs) It also sounds really scary to have to ask a judge for permission for your own medical procedure. And it definitely is something that was come up with by a bunch of judges. It is not something that people who work with teenagers or who remember being 16 would think is a solution. We were talking about that earlier, Roseanne. Yeah. What is what's the origin of these laws? And and can you walk us through what that experience looks like for someone who has to go through the process? Sure. So um, after Roe v. Wade, so many different types of abortion restrictions started passing on the state level and parental involvement laws are just another one of those abortion restrictions. So basically they attacked young people because they thought, oh, if you're under 18, your parents should still have control of your medical decisions. Um, those kind of laws went all the way up to the Supreme Court of the United States, insert eye roll. Um, and <laughs> the court's solution was that um, Youth do have a right to abortion if they're under 18, but their parents also have a right to um, give consent. And so if you can't get your parents' consent or say your parent isn't in your life and you're basically a de facto orphan, you have to go and talk to a judge. And so that's how judicial bypass was created. And for people here in Texas, um, Jane's due process exists to help them get through that process so they're not trying to do it alone. Roseanne, I... I don't think a lot of people know that it was a case that went to the Supreme Court. I'm just curious if you know the name of that case and what it's called. I would love to be able to know that. Yeah. Sure. It's uh, called Bilotti v. Baird. Wow. We don't talk about Bilotti v. Baird enough, I feel. I think I ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. I feel like we could derail because I'm like, well, what else does that impact? But maybe that's a different podcast. <laughs> I know right now I'm like, no, don't go into the bad place. Stay here. Focus. <laughs> don't focus on bad. What ifs? Focus, focus. On right here. Right here we go. <laughs> so how do you help um, young people, teenagers, people under 18 get through the process um, of getting this judicial bypass if they don't have parents to help them or give consent? So we have a 24-7 phone hotline. If you called it right now, a volunteer would pick up and they would give you um, options counseling that's unbiased, medically accurate about your pregnancy. 
Um, if a youth explains, I need an abortion, then we get paired um, between them and one of our amazing case managers um, who really just help them take all the next steps, which include going and getting an ultrasound so you can figure out how far along you are. Then you get paired with an attorney who explains kind of the law and what to expect when you go to court. And then the attorney goes with you to court and actually helps you through the whole conversation with the judge. And once you have that convo, the judge should be giving you an order that says you can consent to your own care and you take that to the abortion clinic. Of course, there's lots of problems in between, but <laughs> I really want to know what happens if the judge says no. <laughs> Yeah. So thank- <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, um, you know, we believe that any young person has the right to consent. And, you know, as soon as they start explaining their circumstances, most judges agree. When a judge says no, that is because of the judge's bias and usually because they are anti-abortion. Um, the legal standard is that it's supposed to be granted if it's in the young person's best interest or if they are mature and well-informed enough to make the decision. So, you know, that's easy to meet because young people have already gotten as far as getting a lawyer and going to court. I mean, clearly mature and it's their bodies. So it's their best interest. What is if their, someone... what is their appeal? If like, if the judge says no, like, cause they're a dick. Um, <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. let's be honest, mm-hmm. you're a dick. Mm-hmm. If you say no, uh, what is, how does it then that, ha- what happens? Like, I'm just so freaked out by this. I am too. Um, so we'll help them appeal. Uh, unfortunately, this all creates delay because all of this takes time. So if you have to appeal a decision, that can take several days or weeks and you get further and further along in your pregnancy. Um, so the other option, of course, is to travel out of the state. Everyone has that right, including young people. You know, can I, my guess is there's not blanket judicial bypass processes right? My guess is that they're different state by state, that it's all awful. But um, I feel like I know in Texas at one point they were trying to have a person have to get the judicial bypass in the county they lived in. And those counties had never even heard of it before. They didn't have providers there, or it was a county that let's say a young person was from and like they knew the person, like it was just seemed so extra violating Um, Do you see doubling down on making this process even harder as we are going into the upside down? So unfortunately that law passed. Um, So in Texas, you have to file in your home county, except for a few exceptions. (gasps) What are the exceptions? Um, If you are basically blood related (laughs) to the judge. um, And then if you live in a county with less than 10,000 people, Um, otherwise you have to file in your home county. Um, and a couple other states followed suit. So that passed in 2015 and now it's been copied in a couple of their states. Wow. I thought they were like, that's a bridge too far. Oh my God. I'm sorry. Have you been awake, Liz? What bridge is too far? <laughs> I know. I mean, I feel like the, yeah, the bridge to nowhere <laughs> apparently is the only bridge that is not crossed anymore. Um, but, oh my God, I, I don't, uh, okay. <laughs> I'm thinking Roseanne about, the complex lives also that a lot of like young folks across the country face. And then, um, which is no different for young folks in Texas and especially the barriers that undocumented communities are, are put that are put in front of undocumented folks right off the bat. Um, cause, cause you all support folks, um, also that need to leave Texas for care as well. And I'm just imagining how, how does that process work? So I will definitely say, yeah, for undocumented people, the, 
travel piece is um, near impossible. So if you live in Texas, um, within 100 miles of our border with Mexico, there can be checkpoints. So you can't really drive north to any of the clinics in the major cities. Um, and flying, you usually have to have a photo ID. Um, so it's really complicated. That being said, we have excellent abortion funds that will help you figure it out. Um, especially in South Texas, there's Frontera Fund, um, and there's also out in El Paso West Fund. Um, for us with minors, it's often more about um, if they're unaccompanied immigrant minors and they're in detention facilities, it's actually the federal government that has to approve transferring them to another state. But thankfully, that's something that the Biden administration has been doing. Um, other than that, for the, a lot of youth, it's about can they safely be away from home for a day or two days and explain that absence while keeping their whole pregnancy confidential. Um, and, you know, we were all 16. Um, it depends. Mm -hmm. It depends mm -hmm. on your family and how closely they're tracking you. Um, so sometimes it can be additional delay while they think of a way to get out of the state for a few days. Roseanne, um, when the, Joan, the Jane Doe case happened at the border and you were instrumental in helping this undocumented person who was um, detained and pregnant, um, access the care that they needed. I think it's curious and would be helpful to know how does one who is undocumented and vulnerable find you? How did this person find you and how, just so we can give that information, if we ever hear of someone undocumented, how did they find you and how did that process, how did that process go? Because it was, it was really harrowing for that person. And it was really, um, your community and Jane's to process was instrumental in helping. Thank you for that. Um, so I will say I wasn't quite at JDP yet. So I want to shout out like Tina and Susan and Amanda, who are all there at the time. Um, the way that those clients find us is through their legal counsel. So when folks cross into the U.S., um, especially if they're children, they are appointed counsel. Adults, unfortunately, are not always appointed counsel. Um, but for children, they assess them and make sure they get a medical exam. If they're pregnant, um, their lawyers will tell them that you know, abortion is legal here, but so is adoption. And so is continuing the pregnancy. And if the young person says they'd like an abortion, they know then to contact Jane's due process. But if you ever need to find us, you know, you can go to our website, which is janesdueprocess.org. You can find us online. Um, youth find us all sorts of ways, but the hotline's usually best or through, yeah, another attorney who works with us in Texas. We can always help. And I think it's really important for everyone listening to understand this regardless of your citizenship status, if you are in this country, you have every legal right to an abortion afforded to you. Um, and that is just full stop. So I want everyone to hear that and understand that and repeat that to the rooftops. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Roseanne, can you tell us three things our audience can do right now to support J Jane's due process and any kind of under 18 year old uh, Texan or another community community you serve that needs an abortion or abortion care? So I'd start by figuring out the laws in your state. So, um, you know, 37 states have parental involvement laws for abortion and 20 plus states have parental involvement laws for birth control. So we need to get rid of these laws. And this is something that you can push for simply by talking about it, because I think a lot of people don't want to talk about young folks. Um, maybe it's too stigmatized. It seems scary, but um, young people deserve the same freedom as us. So I would say start by figuring out the laws in your state. Second, I would say donate to your abortion funds. Um, so we're an abortion fund. We pay for abortion care. We also help people, um, you know, yeah, who have to travel. Um, 
And any abortion fund across the country serves or deals with minors. So wherever you want to give your money, give it to abortion funds. Um, and then lastly, I would definitely say support the independent clinics who are providing the majority of abortion care in our country. Abortion Care Network does such wonderful work. Um, and we are so thankful to independent clinics because they often go above and beyond for minors who often like might not have a ride to the clinic or might need to like cancel or make an appointment really quickly. Um, so just make sure you show some love to your local abortion funds and abortion clinics. You know, you've laid out the sort of processes for, for how uh, a young person who is um, under the age of 18 can access you. The one thing that I'd love to get to is really, I want to horn in on emphasizing why people who are under 18 should have autonomy when it comes to abortion, because this is one of those areas where I think well-meaning people who are, I'm air quoting everywhere, pro-choice, um, will say, but why is it that shouldn't a teen have to get their parents' permission? I mean, they have to, they have to get their permission if they go on a bus to the museum. Why don't they have to get, and I'm doing the asshole voice, why don't they have to get permission for an abortion? So, like I want to arm people with some resetting of autonomy and, and a young person's autonomy. I really agree with you. So I think I'll start with saying the vast majority of young people involve a parent if it's safe to do so. And that's because they want their parents' support. So these laws were passed evoking that fear, saying like, oh no, what are teens going to do? But most teens involve a parent. The ones who don't, don't involve a parent because it's not safe to. So these teens have been told you will get kicked out of this house if you ever come home pregnant. They've been told if you ever come home pregnant, you're going to have to keep it. Um, our youth are in the foster care system. They are often experiencing abuse at home. Um, they don't have trusted adults in their lives and they should have the freedom to make this medical decision. So these laws target vulnerable youth who don't have freedom and who are already being failed by systems. Um, and, you know, there's a huge racial and economic justice component to this, which is, you know, we serve well over 80% of our abortion clients are young women of color. Um, we try really hard to point out that like this disproportionately impacts youth who are undocumented or youth who are in foster care or whose parents are deceased and they're just living with other family. Like this is not that narrative that teens just don't want to tell their parents. This is targeting teens who deserve help and instead are being told to go to court. Yeah. hundred percent. And I love that because I think we don't, we don't think about Obviously, people who are marginalized are invisible in our nation. 100% of the time, people have a starting line that never includes marginalized people when it talks about solving problems and what we do. And so I think that I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, I feel like, you know, we could just to, to put a finer point in it, like this is what abortion laws attack in general, right? Like a wealthy person can go wherever they need to get and get the go mm -hmm. and get the care that they need. Um, a person with a lot of access can go wherever they want and get the care that they need. But when you don't have that kind of access and and a, a trusted adult and access to money and the ability to travel and a, a passport that you can take anywhere, then yeah, these attack you. Yeah, it's I think that's so great. Really uh, is there anything that we didn't hit that you think that people should know, especially in the wake of, especially you um, providing care in Texas in the wake of having to provide care under the most horrifying circumstances and what's coming down the pike? Is there anything you want people to know that we didn't touch on or circumstances that we should be putting into the psyche of our listeners? 
So I would just say that, you know, I'm grateful that people can travel and that there are people who get out of our state, but our numbers have dropped tremendously for youth, not necessarily the calls for help, but that they can't get out. And so this has like been a full abortion ban in Texas for youth for eight months. And now it's going to happen to youth all across the country if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade. So like we are basically taking away a right that we got to grow up with and so many generations had and young people are under 18, they can't vote. And, you know, so when you think about who's getting hurt, please consider young people and know that like we're, we're voting and, you know, marching in the streets, not just for ourselves, but for the youth who can't do it right now. Um, so that's what I would ask of people to consider. I think that is very, very wise. Thank you so very. much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> to support the work of Jane's Due Process, volunteer and donate at janesdueprocess.org. Again, thanks, Roseanne. Coming up, the hilarious comedian, Jess Tom. But first, we're going to play Six Degrees of Abortion. This is a game where Marie and I pick a big story from the news this week. And Liz has one, two, three, four, five, six guesses to tie it to abortion. That's right. All right. What you got? So this week we were having, you know, a fun, frivolous time on Monday, right? Watching the Met Costume Institute Gala red carpet and... um and then the world ended, but while the world was ending and we were making a um, a Facebook Live about it, one Kim Kardashian arrived on the red carpet. <laughs> Wearing Staten a dress. Finest. <laughs> Staten Island's finest. You may know her as Pete Davidson's girlfriend. <laughs> uh, and she was wearing a dress that belonged to Marilyn Monroe, a very famous Marilyn Monroe dress. Um, uh, that I don't know, apparently she did some insane diet to get into, which we are not pro diet culture here. Um, and (laughs) we would like you, Liz, to link Marilyn Monroe to abortion. Um, okay. Um, I am going to link Marilyn Monroe to abortion and you're not going to believe how I'm going to do this. Marilyn Monroe's body was found dead. On my birthday, August 5th, she was killed August 4th, 1962. And I remember learning that. And um, they found her body on August 5th. And um, that is my birthday. And um, I am me. And there you go. <laughs> a little Do bit I of a can... leap. A that's, leap. A little, that's a little flimsy, but uh... a leap. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I feel like I am winning at life. I, I mean, we could ask Kat to be the ruler. Mm, yeah. If it's six degrees of abortion, Kat. Oh, no. Let's ask Jess. Jess is on. Jess, open up your mic. Six degrees of abortion. They give me Marilyn Monroe. I say Marilyn Monroe's body was found on my birthday. I am abortion. Doesn't that account? I am abortion. First of all, hello. That's the best intro ever for this week. I just really want to say that. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think it counts, but didn't Marilyn Monroe also reportedly have an abortion? Like, didn't I think she had an abortion when she was having her Kennedy trysts? That's the rumor. That's the Um, rumor. I feel like. 
If Marilyn Monroe had an abortion, then that is the connection that's better. <laughs> I think uh, it's a legend. I don't know if it's like a known yeah. known thing, but I think it's a it's a a rumor that has been persisted. Yeah. I'm having a hard time beat. hearing Jess. Oh, nothing is going to beat I am abortion for me today. I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying. I feel like that's great. Well, you know, you were nice enough to come on the show and talk to us and then pop back in later in the show too. Um oh. To did you valid? I don't know. Was it good to have you back? Did you validate my win? I'm unclear. <laughs> I'm unclear. <laughs> Jess. It's a draft opinion right now, Liz. <laughs> oh my God. Would the you entered the Why don't you leak your answer later uh, at some point in the week? This is a nightmare. I thought you were on my side. What kind of lawyer are you? You're not my lawyer. All right. Well, I'm taking a win on it. All right. <laughs> All right, we we will leave. Yes, we'll have that opinion in the drafts, Liz. And now we wanted to bring you a word from one of our sponsors. We couldn't bring you today's episode of FBK Live without our wonderful faux sponsor, Their Pillow. Have you ever wondered how America's anti-abortion patriarchal overlords sleep at night? Ever wonder how privileged cishet white men seem so well rested? The secret is two words: Their Pillow. Their pillow is made of the latest pillow technology known as amnesia foam. It's the opposite of memory foam. Amnesia foam helps politicians and other professional misogynists forget all the terrible human rights atrocities they commit each day so they can fall asleep fast and get an early start destroying the rights of those who don't deserve joy. Take 20% off your next Their Pillow purchase by using the promo code No Sleep for Buzzkills. Order in the next 15 minutes and we will throw in a limited edition pillow sham made from Ted Cruz's 2021 flake blanket. Their pillow. Rest for the wicked. <laughs> oh Marie, that was hilarious. I did not yeah. know you had Happy, happy Mother's Day, Moji. I'm, I'm getting you a sexy, sexy their pillow. I didn't know you had uh, some mad, mad, like fast forward skills or <laughs> twice speed skills. Who knew? That is amazing. Oh my gosh, I did not expect that. That was fantastic. <laughs> I did not expect that either. Um, oh my God, that was incredible. Um, and I feel like you have just transitioned us brilliantly into our next guest who tackles all the topics you hear in mainstream comedy, sex in the face of death, gender affirmation on the brink of oblivion, and the search for love at the end of the world. Plus, they can be seen in the film Crush on Hulu. Please welcome the one and only Jess Tom. Hi, Jess. First of all, Jess, so excited you are here. Uh, when we said to Jen, we have to get them because we love them. And they you have been such a good AAF stand doing shows with us and just showing up. And um, it's it's not like it's easy for anyone right now. So thank you. Thank you for having me. No, it's I mean. I'm sure you've been saying this in all of these interviews, but this is an extremely poignant time for us to be having this conversation. Yeah, I think so. And I just, I'd love to just ask you before we just launch into your own hilarity for real, like, how are you doing? Because not only are we watching uh, abortion rights under attack, we're watching trans rights under attack, all queer rights under attack, people of color are under attack. You know, it's, it's a hard time to be a communicator, to be a queer, trans, Asian, Asian person. Yeah, you know so I mean? public you in public. Like, also professionally what? funny. It's tough. Yeah. 
listen, the jokes just write themselves. But um, <laughs> I mean, it is really interesting because I, I have been working with you guys at Abortion Access Front for years now. And before that was always like for me, that was always an issue I cared about. But I sort of was like, ah, you know, for the most part, I've been a practicing lesbian. It doesn't super apply to me. And now in this very moment, I am starting to like date and sleep with cis men. And now I'm like, what now? <laughs> now? <laughs> yeah, not not the best. I, no, I just want to wonder what time. your therapist is saying about that. Listen, I I am looking for a therapist. So if there's any transmasculine therapist listening out there, please. <laughs> My contact is somewhere in here. Send me an email. Send me a text. I am waiting for you. Oh yes, I just want to say, I feel like right now you're going in the wrong direction. This is the time we run away from the cis men. So this is wild. <laughs> I know, I know. And you know, it is very like a ton of cis women my age are having their quarter life bisexual awakenings uh-huh. in the opposite direction. The second one. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, how is this? How is this happening to me? Isn't anybody thinking about me right now? Isn't the Supreme <laughs> Court thinking about me? Oh, what about are. my moment oh. to have mediocre sex with men that I regret? What about that? You know what? I think that you need to stop blaming other people and just start having sex with these mediocre men because they're on every corner. Oh, no, just, trust. I'm doing like- it. Trust. I'm doing it. And actually, literally, and this is maybe my own issue to bring up with a therapist. But since the Roe v. Wade news came out, I have started having having more mediocre sex with more strange men. Cause I'm like, who knows at what point I will have to stop doing this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, eventually it will be so tiresome because they want to like talk with you mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. also feel that they have um, ideas and insights that haven't occurred to you, which mm-hmm. is exciting. It's an exciting time for you to actually up your feeling superior game. And I feel like if there's any reason to be involving yourself uh, with cis men, it's just so you can be like, it's so much more interesting than these people. (laughs) I hope so. I hope that that's the takeaway that I can get from this. I know you were aware of what happened early this year, but like what besides the worrying about your own access or lack thereof to a reproductive care, what went through your head? Like, what were you like? What were you what else were you thinking about? Uh, What else was I thinking about? Just I mean, in terms of of what's going on right now, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (sighs) Well, it's all really such a mess, isn't it? Um, And it really feels like everything is kind of escalating very quickly. Like it was just very recently that we were talking about, you know, trans youth in sports, which now comparatively seems like such a sort of small and niche issue. Mm-hmm. And like at that time, literally just a few weeks ago, or I was going to say, you're talking was, about last week, right? <laughs> no, really, really very recently. Um, and I feel like, you know, the trans people I know and the trans activists were like, listen, like this is going to escalate and it's going to, just kind of snowball out into issues that affect more and more and more people. And what seems niche right now is going to get much bigger. And I feel like we're watching it happen in real time. Um, 
and it's intense. It's intense to see. And I have to be like this and the pandemic and the oceans are rising. And I have to look behind me when I'm walking home from the train at night. I mean, Jesus Christ, how many directions I, can I look in? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing we get in our research. Like, oh, shit. It's the same people, right? People attacking trans people, people attacking critical race theory, people mm-hmm. attacking abortion. Like, mm-hmm. it's literally the same people. Like, they just don't stop. They're like octop- octopuses, octopi, octopus. Octop- I, I say octopi. I think okay. it's technically probably the octopodes. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I've heard it's, it's, I think, a Greek word. I think that that is the way you pluralize that. Okay, but now anyway. you're just showing off. <laughs> um, okay, I just know a lot. I know a lot is- about cephalopods. <laughs> that's my special, that's my special area of knowledge. Really? <laughs> it is. <laughs> This is. is entirely a side tangent, but I love snails and I have, which I, which I know is, is not within that community per well, se. Well, it is, it is, Apparently. it is. It is. Is it? Well, snails are mollusks. Garden snails. Okay. I should say garden snails, not water snails. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're Kat all says that that is a good niche. I just want you to know. Oh, like I'm, niche, I'm, so, I'm Now, excited. see, many know me as a semi-successful comedian. What I actually am is a failed marine biologist. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I was watching something and they were like, apparently hippopotamuses, hippopotami, I can't pluralize words clearly, are in fact related to dolphins. And it blew my mind and now I have to go lay down. Oh my God, I need really? to look that up too. Well, that makes sense. They're both sadistic. <laughs> but one will never get caught in a tuna net. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll let you decide which one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just And saying. that's- that's on on land walking privilege. Yes, absolutely. 100% fundamentally. Uh, yeah. So Jess, how are you mining comedy now? Like, how are you, like, we look at our worlds and assess our lives and you are somebody who profoundly, like, one thing I love about your act, you were so informational about your own self. You're very personal. I would just, you, you bring everything to the table and- have equal parts humor, touching, funny, dark, and it's great. Like Thank how you. how do you how do you decide what stays and what you you're like? I don't think I'm bringing that to the stage. It's so funny because I have been trying to do material about quote unquote the end of the world for like five years now, and five years ago. People didn't like it because they were sort of like, what are you talking about? That's really bleak. That's really dark. And now suddenly it has gained this relevancy. (laughs) Because we're there. We're there. It's happening. It's happening. (laughs) Like people can't be like, oh, Jess is crazy. Jess is being reactionary now. Now everybody's (laughs) like. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's like, oh, yeah, we know what it's like to shelter in place at home with people who you maybe wouldn't have chosen to. Mm -hmm. But by some trick of the universe, you're related to them or decided to partner with them. Now we've all experienced a mass trauma together. Yes. And we're like, okay, okay, all right, all right. So it's really interesting. And it's still, even still, there are phases of like people acknowledging that this is what's happening and thinking it's funny. And then people being like, okay, that's too real. Like, (laughs) don't say that. Um, I have to stop myself from um, lately. I've been saying this joke about how like queer people understand the world is ending straight. People don't get it. Cause they're like, no, it's not. My baby's right here. And I have to, 
I have to stop myself from saying that, like when I'm on a lineup with multiple new parents, for example, last night I was on a lineup where two different guys were like, I just had a baby. And I was like, don't say that joke. Don't say that joke tonight. Because I'm not really trying to bring the mood down. As a parent of a six-year-old, most of us laugh. (laughs) Well, Alana Glazer, um, who I opened for uh, recently, which was so cool, um, and she also is a new mother. And I had to stop myself from saying the joke before she went on because her whole material is about new motherhood. Um, She said this great thing where she was like, I just feel like my daughter is going to kill us all. And I was like, great. That's the exact right attitude to have. (laughs) Yeah, I I hope that that happens. (laughs) I hope that that's what happens. I love people who have parenting material that's very real. Ophira Eisenberg is also Mm -hmm. a great comedian who talks about parenting and has no problem like just bringing the realness of the of like of if you have to say, but I love my child. It's like we all know you love your child. Of course, you get to have resentment. My sisters used to say, Liz, I need permission to call you and say, I hate my children and you can't judge me. But I, if I need to like step away and say that to you, you need to know it's, it's like in the moment and I'm just venting. And I was like, I'm here for it. I've had three mm-hmm. abortions, like whatever. No, that's, uh, that's the reality that we live in. And just for the record, I support a beautiful, fruitful future for all of our children and all of our future generations. And I really hope that when the day comes, it's, it's them that take me out. (laughs) (laughs) That that's my greatest dream for them. I mean, I feel like they deserve, they, they probably, if they take us out, it's, it's not because like, we kind of didn't set them up for a whole No, no, truly. I'm like, I deserve this. I deserve this. Make me pay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry right now. If any, if any future generations are listening, I'm sorry on the record. So Jess, you, you have your big uh, one person show coming up at the bell house here in Brooklyn and you are ta- you're, you're, you're hitting on all these topics. Um, as, aside from the end of the world and doomsday prepping, which I believe is going to be covered in a brilliant way. Uh, what other things, topics are you going to tackle? What can people expect when they come? The show is really actually about using this framework of like the idea that the world is changing really fast. It's kind of changing for the worse. Like we're all looking around and taking stock of what we have and the idea of still trying to find myself like while all this stuff is happening or still trying to find love or trying to find a love that works for me. Like even when all of this really huge macro stuff is happening in the world, it's still these little things like vanity and love and sex that I'm preoccupied with. And like, how am I basically going to live my best life and like be my truest self with the time that we have left? I love that because I often think we're always told by we, I mean, people who are not cis white male, that we don't deserve to not only have all the joy we want, but to advertise that we are joyful and that we deserve abundance and that we get to have happiness and we get to display that happiness. It's always been put in these other ways. So I love that you're exploring that for yourself and just doing it on stage. And it's like incredible. And everybody needs to go see Jess because Jess is so hilarious. Jess, thank you so much for coming on our pod. 
Thank you so much for having me. I really, you know, I really respect the work that you guys do, and I'm glad to contribute in any little way I can. Well, you know, we're going to be calling on you as we as we as we creep towards June and creep towards after June. Uh, we're going to need much more just Tom in our lives to help people cope. So thank you so much, everybody. If you are in New York, you must go see Jess's solo show, Less Lonely, at the Bell House in Brooklyn, May 14th. Tickets are at JessTom.com.com. And you true. can follow Jess on Insta at Jess the Kid and Twitter at Jess Tom. Thank you so much, Jess. Thank you, guys. That's the show. Thanks again, Jess. And thank you, Roseanne. Reminder, follow Jane's Due Process at Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at at Jane's Due Process. And you have to describe to the Boom Lawyered Podcast wherever you get your pod and follow them both on Twitter. Jessica at Hegemami and Imani at Angry Black Lady. And thanks so much for listening. We love you. And we are here for you as we navigate these dark, dark days. We want to be a reliable info hub and a source of humor as we face some really hard times ahead. So just know we're in this together and we got you. To that end, you don't want to miss a moment of our support for you. So subscribe, write a review, give us five stars because it's the best way for our podcast to reach more people. And by doing so, you are helping more people learn about this assault on abortion access. And to keep up on all the latest repro news between pods, follow us on social at Abortion Front on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. FBK Live is edited by Remy DeTournay and is produced by Abortion Access Front. Email us at podcast at aafront.org. We want to hear from you. If we read your email on air, we will send you a t-shirt. Activism alert. AAF is showing up and showing out in New York City for the march on May 14th. Come march with us. Yes. We're meeting in Washington Square Park at 1130 a.m. You'll be able to find us. Just look for the gigantic SCOTUS heads. We'll have signs for you. So just bring your voice and your rage. That's right. And more activism. What? We got a lot going on. Save the date, July 17th. With all of us panicking about what to do now. Don't you worry, AAF has a plan. After we march and cry and write anyone who's ever been elected to anything ever, we must have a sustained plan to protect abortion access. So join us for Operation Save Abortion. To protect abortion access, it is your training day. Operation Save Abortion, it's not a march. It's a what? It's a training day. Sign up, get your house party on, and learn all about it at operationsaveabortion.com. Oh, and while you're on the site, grab some cool merch. And I'm still talking, turns out, while I'm here. Another event alert. We had a lot of shit going on. Broby Wade, an incredible comedy show on May 22nd at the Bell House in Brooklyn, is sold out. But we have a few special seats available with a meet and greet with me and a bunch of the cast at aafront.org slash Wade. That's a charity buzz auction, and it ends on May 16th. Next week is a dark week for the podcast, but there will be a special IG Live interview Thursday, May 12th at noon Eastern with Allison Leiby. Her solo show, Oh God, a show about abortion, is doing a run through at Cherry Lane Theater right now through June 4th. Then we're back on Pod Waves May 20th with comedian, writer, and actor Aparna Nancherla and Poonam Dreyfus Pai, Deputy Director of All Options. That's right. And lastly, to support this pod and all of our activism at Abortion Access Front, 
Drop a few tax-deductible coins in our coffers at aafront.org. Moji, Marie, where can people find you? I am at Moji Locks anywhere you might be looking for me. Marie? I am on Twitter at MconJ, and you can also find the organization I'm with, Midwest Access Coalition, and donate, www.midwestaccesscoalition.org. AOC is even fundraising right now for us and several other funds in Texas. That is awesome. Marie's organization, Midwest Access Coalition, please go check them out. They're doing incredible work, and they're going to be featured as one of the organizations you can learn about and maybe volunteer with um, on July 17th, and we're very excited about that. And finally, right-wing trolls are trying to blame the leak on any progressive they can find, and the conspiracy theory from this bag of hair over at Newsmax shows his whole ass while doing it. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. See you in a couple of weeks. Bye. She would be my first suspect when it comes to the leak because Katanje Brown Jackson is a radical left-wing activist, more radical than any other justice in the history of the Supreme Court. I believe she is capable of undermining the court this way. So now the Democrats sit back and watch. Their base is riled up, newly engaged again. The discussion of court packing is back on the table. Justices will now face threats of violence and intimidation to get them to change their vote. And if one judge caves, they cave to these threats, to the threats of violence, the sanctity of the Supreme Court will be forever tarnished. Feminist Buzzkills Live, the podcast from Abortion Access Front. When BS is popping, we pop off. New episodes drop Friday.